This is The Furnace with John Burton. All right, here we go. This is an absolutely necessary but extremely disturbing topic that we have to hit on today. I'm going to talk about killing children. Killing children. In fact, I wrote an article just came out. It's titled Killing Children, Sanctioned Slaughter of Kids of All Ages. And slaughtering anything that threatens what people value is next on Satan's plan for America. This is what he's focusing on. He's he's pulling on people's uh, uh, passion for freedom and power and anything that threatens freedom and power and our lifestyle. He's given the green light to go ahead and eliminate that threat. And so here we are today. And I'm, it, I'm not shocked, but I'm troubled. I'm disturbed. I can't, even, I can't think of words. I, I think like a lot of you that describe my feeling about what's happening in our nation today. It is becoming normal right before our eyes. It is becoming normal and acceptable for many to kill children after they are born. You got to get this. It's be, stop and think. I can't believe that we have to talk about this. In fact, right now, as far as I understand it, every single Democratic candidate for president in the year 2020, everyone that has announced their candidacy so far has supported legislation that legalizes the killing of children that were delivered alive during a botched abortion procedure. You've got to wrap your mind around that, although it's not possible. How in the world have we degraded to such a monstrous, demonized society that I even have to do a podcast like the one I'm doing right now? How in the world is this something that we have to even give time to? But it is. It is. And I'm going to talk about three different scenarios, three directions that our nation could go in as a result of what we're seeing right now with the promotion of slaughter and murder of children, not only those who have yet to be born, but those who have been born. And we're going to, we're going to look at this three different scenarios, but I want to say something first before we get into this. The church is at fault. And I know, I know that's easy for me to say. I know there are people out there that might be frustrated that I would say something like that, but you got to listen. I believe the time is now for pastors and in the entire church system as we know it to completely radically change, to shift. I mean, the church has been so bad at becoming flexible and dynamic to be prophetic, to respond to what the Lord is doing in a moment. We need the entire church to shift. And it has to happen immediately to where now we're not just promoting programs and ministries and things as usual, but we need 
on every Sunday morning and every other time of the week that we can get together. We need the messages to confront and to deal with the cultural crisis that is unfolding before our eyes. We need pastors that are behind those pulpits that are unapologetically with fire in their eyes confronting the demonic, the the nearly unopposed demonic assault against our nation. And pastor, listen clearly to me. If you are not in a place where you are willing to do that, you have no right to stand behind that pulpit. It's time to step aside. If you are in a place in your ministry where you cannot aggressively, prophetically, with passion, with a, with a heart that is driven both by the love of God and the fear of God, confront this unparalleled crisis that's in our nation, step away from the pulpit. Your season is done. It's over. Take time out. Rediscover your passion for God. Rediscover. Rediscover the the zeal that God has for holiness. But step away because I believe God's raising up people in this hour that a people that will confront and expose the darkness. But we need this to happen now. We need, we need, I'm telling you, we don't want to just hand the baton to the younger generation and be done. We need mothers and fathers. We need those that have been digging the wells. We need those to stand firm and to lead the way and to declare the word of the Lord and to model what it is to stand in the gap. We need, we need everybody on board right now. But let's talk about these three scenarios. And this is all based, you know, on scripture. But the first scenario is a call for prophetic intercessory midwives. Prophetic intercessory midwives. I'm going to read this to you. This is Exodus 1, 16 through 17. You know, this, what I'm giving you right now is not a comprehensive teaching on this. I'd encourage you to read the article. Go to Burton.tv. Just search for the article there. You'll find it. It's titled Killing Children, Sanctioned Slaughter of Kids of All Ages. And you can read it there, but uh, even study beyond that, get into the word. But let me read this to you. Exodus 1, 16 and 17. When you serve as midwife to the Hebrew women and see them on the birth stool, if it is a son, you shall kill him. But if it's a daughter, she shall live. So the mandate was after the baby is born, go ahead and check whether it's a male or a female. If it's a male, kill it. Kill the baby. Why? Because of the threat that Pharaoh was experiencing. Understand, killing of babies or killing in general is all about eliminating threat. We see it in scripture. We see it today. Eliminating babies through, through abortion. It removes that threat to the mother's 
dreams and her lifestyle and the things that she wants to do with her life. It eliminates the threat. Same thing here. Pharaoh wanted to eliminate the threat. But verse 17, this is what we need to see. It says, but the midwives feared God and did not do as the king of Egypt commanded them, but let the male children live. We need prophetic intercessory midwives to rise up now. It has to happen. Now understand these are, this is a prophetic people. This is a movement. This should be all of us. This is a people that they won't only stand in the gap, but they will stand in the way. You see, these midwives, they weren't just interceding in prayer and hoping that things went well, but they were standing in the way. They were willing to lay down their own lives because what they were doing was extremely risky. But they were willing to do that and to defy a murderous decree. And not only to stand in the gap, but to stand in the way of the slaughter. See, something that they have that we need today is that they were driven by the fear of the Lord. We hear so much about the love of God today, and I'll be the first one to tell you, we need a greater revelation of God's love. That's one of my primary focuses in teaching in life is intimacy with Jesus always has been. But there comes a time when we also need to understand that the fear of the Lord, I mean the fear of the Lord, the terror of God, understand in scripture, the fear of the Lord does not always translate respect. A lot of people teach that today. Well, it's just respect. It's just this, it's almost like going to work and, oh, I respect my boss at work. Listen, it's not that. In scripture, it will also translate as terror, as, as that falling over as dead, as that tremble in our spirits, knowing that one thought of God could end our lives. It's that terror of the Lord. We need that terror of God, that fear of the Lord to arrive again. So we need to see these prophetic intercessory midwives that refuse to allow slaughter to happen on their watch. Where are the prophetic intercessory midwives in America today? Where are you? There are some. There are those who God is raising up today. Are you one of them? I'm telling you what, we must see these men and women of God start to renounce the slaughter in the land. The Bible talks about a valley of slaughter. We're in a valley of slaughter today. And to defy the immorality and the murderous spirit in our nation and to stand in the gap and stand in the way. So that's first. Second, we talk about what is known as the massacre of the innocents. I'll read this to you, Matthew 2, 16. Then Herod, when he saw that he had been tricked by the wise men, wise men became furious and he sent and killed all the male children in Bethlehem and in all that region who were two years old or younger, according to the time that he had ascertained from the wise men. So again, now we have Herod. His power, his position, his life was threatened. 
So what did he did? What did he do? A, he he embraced a murderous spirit, and he slaughtered children, age two years and younger. Again, as I've already said, it's not surprising to me. It's not shocking to me that we are now seeing people in America. I mean, we're talking about thinking, breathing, living people actually arguing that it should be okay to kill children who are outside of the womb. Just like we see here with Herod, two-year-old children, two years old and younger, kill them, kill them all. Why? Because his life was threatened. His lifestyle was threatened. His power was threatened. See, we live in a day where there's a lot of entitled people out there. You know, they think that they are owed something, that they are owed the American dream. They are owed freedoms and they are owed their own life, the way they want to live it. And entitled people. I'm telling you, man, it's, it's, it's disgusting. It's a stench. Instead of laying down our lives for the innocent, we're massacring the innocent. And so what happened here? This time of slaughter under King Herod. We need to be ready for this. This is another scenario, another possibility, something that can happen. Is that Joseph had a dream. An angel appeared in a dream and said, rise, take this child and his mother and flee to Egypt and, re and remain there until I tell you, for Herod is about to search for the child to destroy him. And so they did that and they stayed there until Herod died. And so is it possible that things are going to ramp up so significantly that now children of any, of, of, of any age can legally be killed simply if we can prove that they are an inconvenience or that they threaten our career or they threaten something that's important to us? I believe it's possible that the church may be getting close to fleeing or going underground. I believe it's very possible. How that looks, I don't know. Look at the Chinese church in China. Not only legalized abortion, but mandated abortion is what we see in China. And by the way, I want you to think about this. Think about this. We see what happened under Pharaoh and under, you know, the king of Egypt and then, and then the, uh, Herod is that they, their empires were threatened. So they were moving out and demanding that children be killed. Even though mom and dad didn't want the child to be killed. I actually, actually believe that while the strategy is similar, I believe it's worse today than it was back then. Why? Because then leadership was attempting to kill and they did kill children for their own sake today and for their own sake, even though mom and dad didn't want the babies to die today, mom and dad wants the babies to die. And leadership is simply supporting and promoting that idea. So now it's actually the moms and the dads that are aggressively, aggressively campaigning for the right to kill 
their children. And we've seen this with abortion for years. And now we're seeing campaigns for the right to kill children outside of the womb. That they are arguing they should be allowed to die on the table in a botched abortion. Do not be surprised if we see this extend to children two years old and younger. Don't be surprised if it suddenly becomes legal to kill any child for any reason. Don't be surprised. So this second scenario How's the church going to respond? We may need to go underground. Let's look at the third scenario. And this is found in the book of Esther. And most of you know the story. I'm not going to get into it deeply. But let me read this to you. Esther 3, verses 5 and 6. And when Haman saw that Mordecai did not bow down or pay homage to him, Haman was filled with fury. But he disdained to lay hands on Mordecai alone. So as they had made known to the people of Mordecai, Haman sought to destroy all the Jews. So that was his plan. And I want to read this to you. Verse 8, get this. This is Haman talking. He says, there's a certain people scattered abroad and dispersed among the peoples in the provinces of your kingdom. He's talking to the king. Their laws are different from those. Get this. Their laws are different from those of every other people. And they do not keep the king's laws so that it is not to the king's profit to tolerate them. Get that in your spirit. Listen to that. So, so far we've been talking about killing the unborn and killing young children outside of the womb. The next step is that there is going to be sanctioned extermination of Segments of society, of people groups that do not conform to the ways of the land. We're going to see this. We saw that with the Holocaust under Hitler. They got in the way. Hitler did everything he could to exterminate the Jews. But get this last part of this verse here in verse 8. This is what this is this is all it's going to take for there to be an argument supporting annihilation and extermination of people groups, segments of society, for example, Christians. It says so it says so that it is not to the king's profit to tolerate them. So the moment that we are not profiting then society will argue that we no longer have to be tolerated and that's interesting when all we hear about today when dealing with differing with diversity and differing ideas is tolerance but here we see it is not to the king's profit to tolerate them so there's coming a day very possibly where it's not going to be to America's profit, to politicians' profit, to leadership's profit, to culture's profit, to the society's profit, to tolerate Christians. As an example, this is absolutely intense. 
Now, under Hitler, we know that the enemy struck a blow, a mighty blow. Millions upon millions of people were horrifically exterminated, killed, tortured, slaughtered, murdered, destroyed. In the story of Esther, Mordecai, we saw them rise up. We saw the wicked plan of Haman. We saw the favor with the king. And verse 10, chapter 7 of Esther. And the king said, hang him on that. So they hanged Haman on the gallows that he had prepared for Mordecai. Then the wrath of the king abated. So there is a murderous spirit in our land that must be dealt with. And we need Esther's and Mordecai's to rise up. And so I hope you can see how this is ramping up, going from killing the unborn to killing children who are born. Next step, a Holocaust-level extermination or an attempt at exterminating a segment of society. Will, here in America, is that going to be a successful strategy as, as, as we saw with Hitler? Hitler was horribly successful. Or are we going to see, as with Esther and Mordecai, are we going to see intervention? Are we going to see the favor of the Lord? Is the church going to respond? I, do we understand how serious and intense that this is? How real this is? You know, man, I mean, even even with, with the millions and millions, 55 plus million, I think it's way more than that now, babies who have been slaughtered, yet... Here we are just going about our daily business and daily life and no, no real, you know, big deal, I guess, for, you know, in so many people's minds. And, but what happens now when we see blood just in the streets and little children are being slaughtered? What happens if we were to see ovens as, you know, as Hitler used in the Holocaust brought into America? What, then what would the response be? And so we're in a moment right now where we can not stay silent any longer. We can't stay silent. We need to understand these, these three scenarios that I am introducing to you and encourage you to study these out. But we need prophetic intercessory midwives, not only to stand in the gap, but to stand in the way. You know, we need to be a people that can hear the voice of God and respond in a moment and possibly go underground or do what's necessary to position ourselves for safety and for victory. You know, our, we need to understand the, the reality of the Holocaust and what happened there and what happened in the book of Esther and that story and that account. How are we going to respond there? But the times that we're living in, everyone, extremely sobering, serious, and I'm telling you, pastors have got to start got to start preaching this stuff. We have to confront culture. We need we need that that cry of our heart to emerge. We need the just to just to, to to rend our hearts and rend our garments. We need to we need to cry out to God. What is happening? What is going on? 
in our nation, what is going on in our church. We are living in a tremendously threatening and evil time, and the church has not responded sufficiently, not even close. We need the midwives. We need people to rise up. We need this to happen right now. So I want to know what you think about this. Um, Man, we need some churches to start that are solely or primarily focused on the issues of the day and of culture, preparing the saints, equipping them to respond in, in these evil times. We need churches that focus primarily on that intercession, prayer, prophetic lifestyle, decrees, declaration, shaking the culture, shaping the culture, resisting the enemy, warfare, prophetic warfare. I mean, we need churches to, to, to emerge today that are focusing on these things. We need pastors behind the pulpits that are ripping to shreds the, the evil paradigms and arguments that are being shouted through every medium available online and television and from behind politicians' uh, podiums. And we need to confront the spirit of the age. Where are these emerging voices? Where are they? Every single pastor should be that voice. But today, that's not the case. So I want to know what you think about this. I want you to contact me. Let me know. Facebook, my website, anywhere that you would like to reach out. I'd love to hear from you. What do you think about this? I'm not always able to respond to everybody that contacts me, but I try. But I do want to hear. I want to hear from you. What's God saying to you? Are you one of these prophetic intercessory midwives? Uh, are you ready to hear God's voice? Are you ready to, to respond in a moment? Um, but we need to do something because now, as it is right now, living children, there are arguments, demands that living children be allowed to die. And if we don't do something now, it only gets worse. And there could be a Holocaust on the horizon in America. Thank you for listening to The Furnace with John Burton. You can access media, read articles, and partner with the ministry online at burton.tv. And by all means, share this podcast with those who are hungry for revival, reformation, and revolution. Revolution.